Morning, everyone. Welcome to After Further Review with Mark Ferrer and John Pelkey Sands. John Pelkey, at the moment, we are having technical difficulties, and he is he is uh he's nowhere to be found. He's AWOL right now. Looks now he's joining us. Is he back? He's not back, but his picture is there, folks. If you're t- keeping track, listening to the podcast. You briefly saw John Pelkin, but we are joined today, a very, very special guest on the program for After Further Review, Michael Crawford. He's the chairman, the president, the CEO, sort of everything big at uh, the Hall of Fame Resort and Entertainment Company. And this is a uh, company that um, owns, I believe, the Hall of Fame Village, uh, powered by Johnson Controls. And uh, it also is an entertainment company, gaming company. Uh, involved in all kinds of uh, wonderful projects with the Hall of Fame Village and with this uh, Hall of Fame Resort as well. Please let's welcome to After Further Review, Michael Crawford. Thanks for joining us, sir. Um, we asked Thanks this question beforehand. How are you holding up in this crazy year where you're opening all of these facilities and getting this huge company off the ground? And then it's also COVID, oh, by the way. It's, it's a little difficult, of course. I think everybody is facing the same thing, but we're powering through. I think we've had a, a good year with signing some new partnerships. Uh, we've certainly broken ground on the village, which we're excited about. We opened a new hotel asset in downtown Canton. A lot of people thought, wow, you're doing that in the middle of COVID, but it's an interesting business model we have. It's very synergistic. So as we have programming you know, at the village, we have them stay at our hotel uh, downtown. And of course, we've expanded our business. We, we took it public in July. Uh, originally, we had a vision of creating this wonderful destination in Canton, Ohio, but uh, was offered an opportunity to go public. And we did that. And as we did that, we thought, well, you know, we have access to some pretty neat brands with the Hall of Fame and uh, the NFL Alumni Association, some intellectual property. So why not diversify and, and focus on where, you know, guests and fans are spending their time and their money. And we've, we've sort of broken the company into three different business units, uh, deemed destination-based assets, of course, like we're creating here, and, and maybe even one day off-site as well. Um, gaming, uh, we, we announced uh, the launch of our Hall of Fantasy, Fantasy Football League, which we're, I'm really excited about, and we'll be doing that in 2021. And then, of course, media. And we signed a big media deal with uh, Sports Illustrated around our NFL Alumni Academy. So lots of progress, but, but a challenge, of course. And we've we've sort of been battling uphill most of this year, but the team has done a great job. Well, and, and you come from a background that uh, has had its share of challenges as well. As you, um, you were right there uh, opening Shanghai Disney as a, as a member of the uh, Walt Disney Company. And so, so, so you are steeped in the knowledge and the challenges therein of doing massive projects that seem probably virtually impossible at the time. And, and you've got to be the guy to kind of cheer on the troops at all. Did that, did that experience in Shanghai uh, help inform any of this, Michael? Yeah, I, I think all the experiences you have, they put more tools in your toolkit, right? And it just teaches you what to look for and how to think about things. And, and these kinds of destinations are marathons. They're not sprints. And so you have to pace and you have to appreciate and recognize the wins when you get them, uh, putting it in football parlance. And you also have to take and have the, the vision and the, the look ahead. And so it's a balance. Uh, I think Shanghai was you know, an interesting and, and very difficult opportunity for me from a career perspective. But 
You know, it was very rewarding, and I think this one will be equally so, if not more so, believe it or not, coming from Ohio, uh, you know, and having the opportunity to have an impact on a, a community and a region and a state that is I'm particularly fond of and near and dear to my heart. I'm, I mean, I think that's a wonderful thing. Let's talk about that a bit. I mean, this must really, really be a special, a special part of your career, coming back home, you know, combining hometown and and the nfl and getting to put this very wonderful thing together you, you went to bowling green as well what's this like personally for you to be back home doing this it's very different i will say that i spent a great deal of time in my career uh, internationally but it's been special rarely do you get an opportunity to take uh, the skills that you've learned working for high profile companies like the walt disney company or four seasons hotel and resorts and apply them in a way that, you know, is, is as I said, very uh, special in a place that you grew up, you know, sort of cheering for Buckeyes and Browns and Indians and others. I've always been a hometown fan. So I joke a little bit about, you know, it's unique having the opportunity, but there's, believe it or not, even more pressure when your family's calling you on a regular basis saying, hey, is this done yet? When can we come? You know, what's going on? <laughs> so it's, right. it's been very different. But I, I will say this. The team that we've been able to put together also has those connections to Ohio. So it's just more meaningful when you get to do it, you know, in a place where you know you can have an impact and it's it's an opportunity to do that here. And so we're thankful. We're very thankful. Now you speak of meaningful moments and you have a lot of those involved in your programming there. Uh, and you mentioned earlier the NFL Alumni Academy. You call it the Academy. Um, kind of banking off a little bit about uh, um, uh, some things that are down done down here at the sports complex and working with coaches, but it, but it, it's sort of that expanded. Coaches, players, former players, uh, NFL alumni folks working with athletes in this academy. You've already had one already with Jay Hayes, with Dean Dalton, who's the head of this thing. Talk about this. This is a very unique and special and, and a, a wonderful opportunity, I think, for up-and-coming athletes to, to really hone their skills with folks that have you know, been in the belly of the beast. It really is, and, and thanks for asking about that. I, I think, you know, for me, when I was pitched this opportunity from the Alumni Association, it took me all of about three seconds to say, absolutely, that needs to live in Canton, Ohio. And, you know, the birthplace of professional football. And we, we have a tagline, honor the past and inspire the future that we use for our company. When you look at how many kids get to go to the NFL on an annual basis, you know, through the draft or through free agency, it's not many. The talent that's out there at the college level, if you just had a few more practices, if you just had some conditioning, uh, and you had it with people who have been there, done that, Dean Dalton, like Mike Tice, uh, like Chip Smith. I mean, these are, you know, these are world-class guys, number one, but, but have been in the NFL, know what to look for, know how to coach and position these kids. So bringing them here not only fit the mold of what we like to do, which is help develop athletes on and off the field, it helped, you know, from our business model perspective. We, as I talked about earlier, we're very synergistic. So we've had them here from September. Uh, you know, save for COVID, we could have been running live events, you know, sort of those pro day events where fans could have come out and watched so we could have sold tickets and we could have had 
concessions. They're staying at our hotel. And then lo and behold, uh, this becomes what I think will be even better than the next Hard Knocks or Last Chance You. The stories of these athletes, the coaches, and getting into the NFL. And we've sent over a dozen players just this year uh, to NFL teams. And we only brought in three player positions, offensive and defensive linemen and running backs. And yet Sports Illustrated came forward and said, wow, this is going to be impactful. People are going to want to really watch and see what this is. You know, as a company, we have a chance to kind of inspire those kids, give them the development, but at the same time, realize the business model and the strategy we put forward. There's no doubt about it. They can even be guests on your HOFL show as well, correct? Since they're, since they're, they, can, they can be part of that as you're doing trivia um, online and on the app. And we'll, we'll get into the details of that, but that's a, a fun way to use those resources as well. And also, you've got this national... Uh, football, uh, a sports complex there where I'm sure you're going to bring in lots of youth leagues and such, um, AYF and, uh, and UYFL. In other words, these kids are going to be, from their very formative years, are going to be steeped in the Hall of Fame traditions and in this village and in this opportunity to kind of matriculate all the way through to possibly the academy. And who knows? It's it's highly synergistic and generational, it looks like. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, that's well put. I think, you know, it's a, it's a unique opportunity to have an impact on kids' lives from the time they start playing a sport. And as I said, providing world-class facilities for them to come and play at is one thing, but enlisting Hall of Famers or NFL alumni or coaches to come back and really impart words of wisdom through clinics and academies teamwork, communication, overcoming adversity, really building the character of the athlete. I, I, I really gravitated towards that, and the team uh, just finds that a key core part of our mission. You know, we had over 200,000 kids here last year uh, playing in tournaments and championships, and not only football, but lacrosse and soccer and rugby. And these, you know, Hall of Famers and their messages sort of transcend sport. It's, it's about overcoming adversity and the stories that they tell and how they, you know, the work ethic that they apply to their, their craft. So it's exciting to have that chance. And as you say, grow those kids through uh, the multiple different generations that they will be. And then become fans of everything we do and bring their kids back uh, to the Hall of Fame and other experiences we create here on site. Well, you know, it's this multimedia company. We're going we're gonna to get right into the trivia uh, stuff right now, which I love, in the Fantasy League, the HOFL Fantasy League that you have all year long, uh, and how that's a great interactive tool to keep everyone engaged with, uh, you know, how fun football is, to have them be engaged with testing their knowledge, which everyone loves. Every sports fan loves to talk trivia. Uh, fantasy Leagues, uh, obviously the world is, is overcome with fantasy fever. And then, of course, your brand is front and center that whole time. But what about this idea? You mentioned the hard knocks thing. I mean, are there plans? And I don't want you to talk out of school, but it would be fun to have, um, you know, some sort of video documentation development and possibly even a show. And maybe you can even start, you know, when they're young. And just if it's a long enough running show, you can use that B-roll from back in the day. But are there plans to perhaps really bring this into everyone's living room to see how it's like for these kids who might be on the fringes, if you will, and have these opportunities that 
not many others have. There are. And in fact, um, the deal that we signed with Sports Illustrated is exactly that. Uh, they, they recognized, uh, as did we, this, this chance to help tell the stories of, of these young men. And, you know, the special uh, characters that they have, but they also the desire to, to become an NFL player, you know, that really unique experience that not very many have in their lifetime. And so uh, we've been filming, we've been capturing all of this, uh, and of course, in hopes that we go out and sell this show in the very near term in partnership with Sports Illustrated uh, to a distribution channel. And that's a that's a big part of the mission for our media company is really thinking through how to leverage live sports, live events. And, and we have a lot of those plans already on the books and then building partnerships with content development and, and distribution. So there's never been a shortage of demand for uh, sport content or football content like there is today. And all of these distribution channels, be it online streaming or social media or over-the-top uh, channels run by CBS or NBC Sports, all of those really looking for high-caliber and high-quality programming. And I think we have, you know, just the, uh, the programming that they'll need. There's no doubt about that. That content is uh, is Hall of Fame worthy, should I say. It really is. That's the kind of stuff that is gold and I think will land right off, right off the bat. Everyone loves those kinds of stories and loves to follow those kinds of human interest um, stories as well. You have the H you have partnered with HQ uh, with, the, with the trivia app in this Hall of Fame Fantasy League, HOFL. And um, I think every Thursday night, you uh, before the games, you have had trivia, at least th those were the plans. You've had trivia before the games, the fantasy um, contests, is every week, I believe, with two players that people have to choose, one or the other, uh, and if you know whoever choose the best throughout the season wins a you know nice prize, nice cash prize. But this interactive video, uh, you know, app, you know, kind of high tech way for for fans to engage with the Hall of Fame Resort and Entertainment Company, with what you've just said about video content. It seems to me that already there's some natural ways you guys have been able to navigate COVID pretty well uh, and continue to do what you need to do and continue to engage the folks you want to engage with. Absolutely. We, we realized a long time ago that fans spend time doing multiple things as it relates to the sport of football and sport in general. You know, they love gaming. So Madden football, one of the most popular games out there and has been for, you know, decades. Uh, they love sports betting. So, you know, that enhances the, the way in which they view the game and the excitement. Um, and fantasy uh, is certainly one of those things where, for, for, again, decades, people have been playing fantasy. Our league will be very different and unique. There's no league today that has franchise teams you can actually take a stake in. And so as we just signed a, a partnership with Stake Kings last week and announced that, it actually allows the, the fans and the participants to put a stake in, in the ground, you know, uh, backing a, a franchise team. We haven't announced those teams yet. We're going to do that in the new year. But we'll have 10 different uh, cities, much like the NFL model, that will have teams that are representative of those cities. They'll have brands. They'll have logos 
will be able to come together as communities and cheer for those teams. If you bet on those teams, uh, there's some gamification. And when we were offered the opportunity, which with um, HQ Trivia, what a way to reach out and sort of activate and get people familiar with getting ready to do. And we've had Hall of Famers on there, uh, very excited about what we're doing and reading questions, the, some of the trivia questions. And so we, we're building communities, you know, and from, from my perspective and from many companies, I guess, the saying content is king really is the case. And so we've been acquiring partnerships and developing content uh, during COVID that we can then take full advantage of and, and sort of cross-pollinate uh, throughout the different business units of the company. And HQ Trivia is just an example of that. Perfect. It's absolutely perfect. You're right. You know, the, the very marketing of, of your company it is the content in a lot of ways. And it's uh, you know, the way of the future. There's no doubt. All right. Before we wrap up, I want to ask you about uh, your, your alma mater for your master's program. And your daughter, alma mater, just graduated in May, is the University of Notre Dame. And I, 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 we talked a little bit before. And obviously, this last Saturday was a big game. And, and you mentioned not so much after halftime, but um, talk talk about your daughter and her experience in Notre Dame, your experience in Notre Dame, and and what you what you see their future is come um, come the college football playoff when they meet Alabama. Yeah, well, listen, I, I've always viewed that place as a very special university. I think many think of it that way. Uh, you know, my time there, I've built friendships and connections that you just, you, you know, you don't lose. And it's a community at Notre Dame. Um, my daughter had some options for university. I think she was brainwashed from the time she was about <laughs> the games. Um, and she chose there and she had an absolutely wonderful time. I, just like many other graduating seniors, she, she had a, you know, the tail end of her experience got a little bit, uh, you know, delayed and, and set aside with graduation, but we did it virtually and, and I thought the university did a great job. Um, I don't think their game Saturday was representative of that team. You know, when they first played Clemson, what was really apparent to me was they controlled the line scrimmage and they had, they have deepened and I give coach Kelly a lot of credit. They've really gone out and deepened the talent in the trenches, which enables a very powerful running game. And Ian book is a fantastic quarterback. You know, he's, he's just, one of these kids that goes out and wins and he hasn't doesn't have the flash or the flair of Trevor or, you know, last year, Joe, uh, but he does a great job. And I think they'll represent, they bounce back really well. They are not under, you know, under talented. Uh, they weren't outmanned. You got to remember you're talking about college kids, right? And sometimes that momentum comes over you like a tidal wave and it's hard to get around it, but I'm sure coach Kelly and the team and the rest of the coaches will be prepared. Alabama is a tough order. You know, that's not, a, that's not an insignificant game. Um, I think they're going to go out and play well. And, you know, you wouldn't expect me to say anything less. I think if they play their game and they play a rushing game and, and sort of passing in the way that they should and take some shots downfield, they'll have, a, they'll have a chance. And, you know, for me and my daughter, that'll be a pretty special experience. We were at the Cotton Bowl a few years ago when they didn't perform so well against Clemson as well. So. Right. right. All right. I forget well, uh, we really appreciate you coming on after further review. Uh, thank you for joining us. We wish you and your company and all of the, the folks working there um, the best of luck. And as you continue to matric matriculate through this, it's been a pleasure having you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Happy holidays to everybody and, and stay safe. Look forward to seeing you in the new year. You too.
by Michael Crawford. All right, CEO, chairman of the board, the whole thing. Um, Hall of Fame Resort and Entertainment Company. It's it's a behemoth, Jeff. It's a behemoth. It, yeah, I'm not I'm not that aware has, of it. This was uh, interesting for me to hear. And it's not just with the gaming and uh, you know some of the partnerships, for instance, in the media with Sports Illustrated, but this Alumni Academy. You know, we we attempted to have Jay Hayes on uh, at one point talking about that. And uh, I don't know if we're back with John. I see his picture. If you're joining us live, you will see his face. And we'll see if we can hear him shortly. He's shaking his head. He's shaking his head. This, this show the show is going to be significantly less good with Jeff Taylor having to fill the very large shoes of the head coach of the Toronto Raptors, John. Exactly. Head coach and owner of the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> And uh, had the first game uh, the other night, Friday, the pre- last preseason game that that uh, was going to be in Tampa. And uh, they opened their season at home uh, on Wednesday. So that should be very exciting. We we can uh, we can regale in the stories of John Pelkey at uh, Amelie Arena uh, in the future. We can't do it today, however. But, yeah, this Hall of Fame thing is, is unbelievable. This Alumni Academy is, well, is, is great Ooh, as well. I heard him. He's I heard there. something. Hello. <laughs> the, I just timing. It's I, you know, it's been a rough few days. Still licking my wounds. Oh well, we were going to say you were going to regale us with stories uh, from Amelie Arena, and uh, you know, I was I mean, horrible. I was just horrible. I, okay, so l- let me let me, without getting into too many details, let me share with our audience uh, some of the comments that John had told me the day after, because of course I was very interested to see how he was doing or how he did. Not and, well. and, um, Poorly. and he was sort of laughing. It was like, okay, it's the first time, you know, everyone in the arena were, were having some issues. It was, you know, everyone's kind of getting their stuff together right away. We're kind of looking at each other, throwing our hands up. And he said to me this quote, he said, Mark, you know, me, you know me. And if I, if I say one word wrong, if I get, uh, the, if I get, um, the name of someone, if I if I say, you know, Jeffrey as opposed to Jeff, you know, the rest of the game, he will be beating himself up. He says, you know me. And he says, but this one was, you know, I missed a few things here and there. But this one, it was like everyone was sort of there. And I sort of I sort of laughed and and I've moved on. But evidently, since since Saturday, since we talked, you have gone further and further into a hole yeah. of self despair. Is, 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 have I gotten yeah. that right? Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. I've uh, I've. I don't mean to laugh at your despair, John. I've we uh, I've reverted to type, and uh, yeah, I'm yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was it was. Uh, I was embarrassed. Um, <laughs> See, again. I am. Uh, I'm just. It, 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 I'm frightened to go back. Um, uh huh. I had two friends there, and they said yeah. that the PA guy was phenomenal. Yeah. Well, uh, except the point when I called Kyle Lowry with the three pointer and he actually put up an air ball. But I to my uh, to my everlasting credit from where I was sitting, it looked awfully good. And then it also went out of bounds and they inbounds it quickly. So and I wasn't necessarily watching because the problem we had is we did not get the rosters for the teams until midway through the second quarter. So I was doing the heat roster off of my phone. 
And I had a like a torn out page from uh, a Raptor uh, public relations guide or something with you, Mark. And, you know, the font, it's like negative 30. Yes. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so I made triple magnifying glasses. I, you know, I just made uh, I, I made a couple of really just rookie errors because it threw me. It just threw me because I was, you know, it was like, oh, we'll get you the rosters ahead of time. And this is and no one is to blame because, again, there were a lot of problems there. And the thing that you run into and Mark will tell you this is uh, having done a lot of PA, you, you take that ownership on yourself. I'm going to go get pronunciations. I'm going to go do this. Mark, you, don't so, on, you don't wait on people. We're so limited as to uh, as to where we can go, and there are so Jeff, you've been you've been at the table. There's generally you know two dozen people on the on the long side table, and now there's like seven because yeah, it's just uh, so limited. So you don't have anybody that you can go to. Thank God that some of the press guys helped me with uh, pronouncing, make sure pronunciations were. Were correct. At the end of the first quarter, they actually brought me <laughs> the uh, stat sheet, which they don't give to the PA generally. Uh, you might get one, but you know you're not at the top of the list of that. Thankfully, they did because it actually had not just the starters. Uh, now, I should say the poor guy doing the book. And for people who don't know, there's a guy who keeps official statistics. He did the same thing. He didn't have names of guys for, uh, and he was just putting numbers down. And, and and keeping their statistics. So, you know, it's a little, eh, a little bit of a work in progress. But I blame myself for all of it. Right, of course it you clearly do. Clearly, had it not had it been anyone else, sure, uh, they, they would have done a phenomenal job. I assume, I assume that there are uh, meetings uh, that are going on right now uh, to replace me. And I, let first, me, if, I, if I had a vote, I'd replace me. So let, there you go. Let me, let me say this. It <laughs> is a venue that is not oft used for basketball mm-hmm. so that whole setup it was Some a challenges a, sure a, a first time uh preseason game this season i feel like you probably are on the list of things that they're worried about you're probably <laughs> on page 796 so yeah. you can beat yourself up all you want but if you think they're actually having a meeting about the pa guy <laughs> you have lost your Good point i'm mind. over i'm overemphasizing my importance i think is really <laughs> what well, not only thing. that not only that but they have a lot to worry about bringing a team to a venue in a city where they don't belong yeah. in a in a in a place that is all hockey all the time yeah. the magic play a preseason game there every once in a blue moon it's not a it's not an NBA venue and the NBA is a is a finely oiled machine so I'm certain that the uh the lack of oil on a lot of things uh, yeah. they're they're definitely meeting on and also remember that because of everything there aren't as many NBA people there either it's it's a skeleton as much of a skeleton crew for things as they can possibly do much fewer press people and everything it was a preseason game as well let's let, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not quite Bruce Dern and coming home yet. I'm, 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 I'm on the deck of the beach house. I haven't stepped onto the sand yet. You're not on the I'm sand. On, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm on the deck of the you're beach house. Fully, you're still fully clothed. <laughs> I, I'm fully clothed on the, on the deck of the beach house and uh, somewhere okay. uh, yeah. uh, the stones are playing in the background, but uh, yeah, it, there, there, there were challenges. Um, and I felt, I felt really, really bad about it as you could probably, as Mark, well, just Mark gave me. I lose I, I my shooter's mentality. And and everyone is saying, you know, Jeff Jeff has heard from friends 
Lenny saw highlights. Steve saw highlights. They all say you're great. Joe says, yes, you beat your, your harshest critic. All those are true. But this is what's most impressive to me is you just talked about the skeleton crew. There's not even all the NBA people there. There's like seven people in the yeah. building, and somehow Jeff knows two of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, they had I'm folks. Man. I, I'm, always, I'm, man. Always, I'm always the guy who's not the guy, but he knows a couple of the guys. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have decent, uh, decent amount of people there. I think, uh, I think the numbers that I heard were that uh, they were allowing at least in this first phase, twenty three hundred people was the, which is about I don't know twenty percent maybe. I don't know what that venue holds on normally. And for basketball, obviously could hold a lot more, but the bleachers, it's, right? It's yeah, in ahead. that eighteen thousand range, I'm sure. Yeah, it would be probably. Yeah, and it might even be more for basketball, but of course the the court is distanced as well, so you don't really have people up near you on the court. So it's an it's an interesting vibe. Um, in, in truth, all in all, once we got into the second half, and I kind of started feeling feeling it a little bit better, and also you know it really worked in almost eleven months. Uh, yeah, I mean that's the other thing too, John and, and Mark. You know and, when you do a basketball tournament, you have done one in a while. You've done, yeah. you've done a basketball tournament since uh, I mean since in over a year. Yeah, yeah. The last one would be the uh, the uh, Orlando Classic, uh, the unattached Orlando Classic. Uh, known as the Avocare, formerly known as the Old Spice. Old Spice. And I think something else in between as well. So anyway, it was, uh, you know, there's plenty of room for improvement. Um, you, shook off, you shook off a little rust, as apparently the entire arena did, and everyone in it. And uh, and I'm I'm sure it was great. And you are your harshest critic. There's no doubt about that. There have been well, I think you have to be, don't you, though? If you're doing you this do. sort of thing, you really I have to be. Take it, you, you, Saturday, you were incredibly balanced when we talked. It was like, yeah, I did this. You were very, you were very honest about what you had done wrong. Yeah, but, but I woke were, up, Mark. I poured scotch on my Cheerios. You mean that's probably probably a really, really, you know, it's probably as much sign. to do with it as anything. It's a good sign <laughs> as to well, where you are mentally. I, I, one of the two people I knew, and there happened to be Kyle Lowry, and he said that he wished that what you said was the actual truth. He was like, I, I, my, my shot was off, but that PA guy, I mean, if we could go by what he said, I had a hell of a night. Well, you know, that's just one of those where it's out of your mouth. And I don't even think I got three pointer completely out of my mouth before I corrected myself, but it was one of those where I saw him launch the shot, the, uh, the guy keeping the book was like, because the, the referee was a little screened. Is it a three? And I heard yes. And so, you know, anyway, just rookie mistake, though. Shouldn't have done it. Shouldn't have said anything. But I didn't know. I know better. But uh, I have to admit, it was just one of those things where and, and Mark, I know you it, it's the it's the actors. One of the actors nightmare is just I I was so sped up. Like my thought process was so much faster than it needed to be at that point. Um, that it was, uh, it, it was difficult, but you know, all, all, all in all in truth, I will always feel horrible about it. It'll be one sure. of my worst moments. Sure. Um, it's it'll perfect. be it's on perfect. my deathbed, on my deathbed, <laughs> eight, 10 weeks from now. Uh, I will, I'll, you know, I probably shouldn't joke about that, frankly. Uh, another negative test, by the way. Um, yeah, you must have a plethora of them under your belt now. Yeah, I got about like five. So if I drove down yesterday, I'll back tomorrow. Um, and and no, Joe, the scorekeeper did not add <laughs> add the three points. Three points. No, take it off. No. Let me let me tell you, it's a good thing we didn't have a coach's challenge because never could get that monitor working. Right. That was See, that was another. 
Yeah. So everything, you know, and again, it's a preseason game. Yeah. It's a preseason game. And let me just say this. There were several members of the heat that were really cold from the floor too. So, you know, it's not, it's not just me. Exactly. So I think I, uh, we all look forward to again, uh, being regaled with further stories of the adventures of well, John. Let's hope they're let's John let's hope it's boring from now on. Well, well much much like college football, you lost early, so you still have a chance at that public address announcer of the year there award. Also, how how about how about that uh, formula being turned on its head with Notre Dame getting blown out late yeah. and still getting into the uh College football playoff. It's interesting because, and I and I know this is your show, ostensibly, John. But uh, no, 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 no. You 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 had to take ownership of this one, and we're not doing one on Friday. So you know, we just flip flopped. I'll do Wednesday. We're not we're not doing well. Of course, we're not doing one on Friday because it's Christmas Day. So uh, all right, well, you'll do one on Wednesday. But there was an article out there before uh, the vote happened at noon or whatever it was yesterday for the um, for the playoff, and according to FPI, according to strength of schedule. I mean, Notre Dame was ahead of Texas A&M, which is yeah. which is what I thought the the battle was going to be. Not not by much, even with that loss, not by much. But you know, FPI they're fourteen and and A&M is fifteen or something like that. Strength of schedule they're about three and and A&M was about four. Yeah, I mean it was very very close. I and, just thought to your point though, Mark. To your point, I just thought A&M lose early to Alabama. It yeah. wasn't as if they dropped a game to, you know, in the Big Ten, we looked at people were saying, well, if Northwestern beats Ohio State, well, they lost to Michigan State. I mean, there were some things, but they lost to Alabama. They lost. They really, Texas A&M did what you would argue a Southeastern Conference school team would have to do to get in not playing in the championship game. Um, so I, I was surprised. You know, the more and more you think about it, it was really, really difficult to 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 figure this year out because of the lack of games played. I mean, I I still think it's valid for people who don't believe Ohio State should have gotten a shot because of the you know the number of games that they played. Um, I, I I don't know where I fall on it. I just think it's funny that after all of the discussion and this great day of college football, which I enjoyed from what I remember uh, immensely. Um, it's, it's just, it's 2020. It's chalk. It's the four teams that we've been talking about for the what, five weeks year. now, six weeks now, R- really kind of solidified over the last five or six weeks. The only discussion has been how badly does Notre Dame have to lose to, uh, would they have to lose to Clemson or how, you know, how, if the game was tight enough, would Clemson stay in? Well, what we found out was Notre Dame can largely get blown out. And, and I think they had a subpar performance. I also believe that Clemson, uh, I think probably was a little bit more motivated. I think Dabo Sweeney gets a lot of credit for, for that, for motivating that Clemson team. Uh, I think they wanted to prove that it was a bit of an anomaly losing to, um, to Notre Dame. Um, but uh, it, uh, you know, I, it's no matter how many teams we have in these playoffs, year in and year out, there's going to be controversy. It's just never going to make anybody happy. Even your, even your 16 team playoff mark, 17, 18, and 19 are going to be bitching and moaning about it. Yeah, it's interesting because um, Florida would be on the, you know, Florida be, would be outside looking in on a, in an 18 playoff. It would be Texas AM, it would be Cincinnati, I yeah. think in Indiana gets there as well. And then Oklahoma, I think are yeah. the, uh, round out the top eight, which would be uh, interesting. And to your point last Friday that you made over and over again, because I was oddly insistent. Uh, I, I, I was, I was a little combative on Friday in, in, yeah. in an arena 
that I shouldn't be combative about. College football is not where I'm going to win many arguments because you and Jeff are both uh, much more steeped in that. But but to your point, you know, you've got Cincinnati. You, you would have, I, I think it would, Oklahoma would play Alabama. That'd be a decent first round game. You know, Cincinnati would play yeah. Clemson. Uh, you know, exposed. In Indiana would play Notre Dame. That'd be kind of fun. That's a real boy. Talk about a game that is, is with all that interest. The state of Indiana uh, matchup and that uh, Indiana team, which uh, you, you can't give them enough credit. They lost their starting quarterback, um, Penix, who is was quite good and seemed to be kind of the straw that stirred the drink for them. To their credit, they just kept moving on. That's a that's a great story. That would be that would be a fun matchup, no doubt. And A and M Ohio State would be a fun matchup, which is great. Which and is Oklahoma great. Alabama would be a fun matchup. So three sure out of would. four, and then of course Cincinnati plays Clemson, and, and it's it's a it's a unique, interesting matchup because of Cincinnati sure. being, being in there. There's a lot of articles out there today, John, talking about what we've been talking about, which is that this is not good for college football. These this these four these four teams, the four team playoff, and and. More specifically, these four teams making right. it in after weeks and weeks. I would think it's even more than five weeks, frankly, uh, of, you know, nothing is different. Well, is, I'm just thinking zero, since there's zero drama. I was saying that since it's been about, what, five or six weeks since Notre Dame beat Clemson. I was thinking that, you know, that started like the discussion then about, wow, because I don't No one really. Expe- let's be honest. No one expected Notre Dame as, as we knew they were better. We didn't think they'd beat Clemson in that game, e- even even without Trevor Lawrence. Frankly, most people didn't. Um, so that's when the discussion really ramped up about, OK, it, it's we do it every year. It's these are the most likely candidates. And generally that ends up being who it is. But we're always trying to find reasons to keep them out. I do think an argument could have been made for Texas A&M. I think they have a legitimate uh, beef. Because, again, I think a Southeastern Conference school that only lost to an undefeated Alabama team, uh, and I believe that game was in Tuscaloosa as well, and I know that doesn't mean quite as much now, um, I think they do have a legitimate a, a legitimate beef. But I'm also not 100% sure that the four best teams in college football aren't the ones in the playoff. However, I will say this about Oklahoma. They've been playing as well over the last month of any team in, in college football. They would be a worthy contender, and they—I think they get Florida. They get Florida in the Cotton Bowl. It's going to be, uh, I believe. So Florida in the Cotton Bowl—that's a lot. That's a great game. That it is a game. Florida is who we thought they were, though. I will say uh, they gave Alabama a bit of a scare uh, once that offense just got into uh, shootout mode. Um, but that, but Florida's defense just—I—I I, I just don't think that's a championship caliber defense, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I've ever, uh, you know, about six weeks, I guess. Right. Six weeks since they played each other, Notre Dame and Clemson. So and, I was like the first week in November or something like that. And uh, and the discussion so, yeah, through all of that was weeks. It's, yeah, it's Notre Dame and, and Clemson. What, what happens there in the rematch? And then can Ohio State get in only having played five games is really it. And outside of that, there really wasn't a lot of discussion. Nobody expected Alabama to drop out of the, uh, you know, and, I, and let me tell you, Florida had beaten Alabama by a point. In that game, had they come back, you know, last one with the football, that shootout, I still think Alabama gets in, to be honest. Oh, yeah, they would have gotten in. There's no doubt about it. If if, if they would have lost that game, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, Notre Dame loses, you know, gets blown out and they're in. Alabama would have easily been. Alabama was in regardless. That was a great game. 
That was a terrific game. Really and was. It looked like can... it could have been a blowout for a while, too. It looked like Alabama was going to run away with that game. But I have to give the Gators credit. I mean, the defense really never did step up. They gave up 52 points. But, uh, you know, they, there's a lot of fight in them. But they are they need to button up defensively a bit because they have talent. But they, uh, they're they very undisciplined. And, uh, boy, they were out it, of position a lot. It surprised me uh, the running yards they gave up. I, I've seen them this year. And they were always susceptible on the back end, I felt. Um, uh, their defense. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Big plays, definitely. But I, I didn't think they'd get they'd give up, you know, two hundred plus yards, um, to the to the running back. Uh, they did. I think what were their two, maybe two to three drives that Alabama did not score a touchdown. Yeah. Maybe two or three. Yeah. Uh, and that gave Florida enough room to come back, and that was a lot of fun. I mean, it really was a, yeah. a fun football game to watch. Uh, and I'm and I'm pleased with college football as well for moving the Rose Bowl. I think that's a good move. Yeah, to, I don't uh, think- to Dallas. I think that's great. You know, what's the point? And 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 listen, if California wants to do what California does because they their public health officials believe that's in the best interest of the public health, yeah, then fine, that's fine. But it, then you know there are consequences of that. And one of them is you don't get the Rose Bowl. Right. And, uh, and I think that's an appropriate decision. Frankly. Yeah, I, I I don't have a problem with it either. I don't, I don't really have a problem with California people. You know, people no, I mean, if that's locally what have to do what they feel is right for them. This is a difficult situation, but I agree with you. I'm glad that they've moved that. Uh, I'm glad that they moved that game. I will miss the, the Rose Bowl as a venue because I think it's just, you know, it's such a nostalgic venue to watch it's any granddad. football game. It's it is granddaddy. granddaddy. Um, and uh, but I, I don't think there was any choice. I want to jump back and just say. You can't say enough about Najee Harris, though, for uh, for Alabama. He is he is a beast. Anybody who gets him is, I think, going to be very, very happy. He's been overshadowed by Mac Jones. But honestly, he's he really he made the better Heisman argument. If you're just limiting it to a game. Oh, you know, if if, if, if that's if all things being equal and that was the stage, uh, he deserves a a lot of credit. And I'm not sure if and when they've made the invites yet. <clears throat> but uh, if if it does come to Harris, down to Harris, Trask, uh, Jones, and uh, Lawrence, all four of them had stellar games yeah. when, when all of the nation's eyes were, you know, our lonely eyes were gazed upon them. <laughs> yeah, they really did. They stepped up. Big-time players. It was great to see. That's pretty fun to see yeah. big-time players at, on the biggest stage, the biggest stakes, all four of those guys having monster, monster games. That was really fun to see. Notre really Dame, fun. Lenny saying opening up as 19-point dogs uh, early. We'll see. I uh, Notre Dame's one of those teams that I just think there's a there's a, there's a love for them throughout the country that I bet that the number comes down because the betting's going to get uh, – You know, and get I don't know if you saw that game, John. You probably did, but um, they had a chance early. They made some bad mistakes early where they could have gotten some serious momentum going yeah. on. And they missed a 24-yard field goal with that should have been a touchdown. Frankly, that they they had they could have been up, um, I think two scores, 14 right. nothing, and that could have, you know, someone says, oh, it was just seven more points added. You know, that's not how. No, routes don't work that way. Right. Routes work because you're you've got momentum. You're doing it's it's like the, um, you know. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember this, but of, of course it always comes down to a 49er example. But the the year Jim Burt. Knocked out Joe Montana, and he and he knocked him out on a play where he threw a pick six to Lawrence Taylor, <laughs> and um, and they lost forty six to three, forty nine to three, something yeah. along those lines in the Meadowlands. It was a miserable game. It was eighty six. They went on to win the uh, Super Bowl. The Giants. 
Uh, but early in that game, they found Jerry Rice wide open. Mm. And he he was running in for a touchdown, and he just dropped the ball. <laughs> the ball just came out of his grasp, and it became a uh, touchback. And they they would have been up seven nothing, and and then people said, okay, it would have been forty nine to ten. But that's not the case. No, that's, that's not, not the how case. it works. Football right? Is a game. It's an emotional game. It's a game of momentum. And if they would have capitalized on that early success that they had, uh, it would have been a different game. I think. And well, it also changes. It changes down. what everybody has to do when you start to get down. I mean, your offense then become you know is less. Uh, you you have you have fewer plays that you can choose from because you've got to score more quickly and you know against a team like Clemson against a team like Alabama particularly you can't have empty possessions and that's what happened to Notre Dame a few times and I, and I think Clemson probably you know let's let's be honest talent wise Clemson is better than Notre Dame they have deeper they have more uh, blue chip talent than Notre Dame it's Academic standards, and Clemson is a fine school, but academic standards at Notre Dame are a little higher. I think uh, playing up north limits them a little. One of the places I agree with Colin Cowherd about the northern schools, I think that makes things a little bit more difficult. Now, Notre Dame also benefits, though, from having its own television network, so it may even out a bit, but I think we would both agree that Clemson is a deeper and more talented team. And when you play deeper and more talented teams, you can't leave points on the field. They can the old adage about they don't have to play a perfect game, you do. I don't think Notre Dame had to play a perfect game, but I think they picked one of a bad week to have one of their poorer performances, frankly. And maybe maybe they get this out of their system. Who knows? Could be. Uh, I don't know about that. I remember a few years back when they were 10-0 and and played the Miami Hurricanes and got destroyed by the Hurricanes. Mm. Uh, they didn't win another game the rest right. of the season. So it, it, they could go into a shell. That was Brian Kelly as well. So we'll see what happens there. I want to congratulate you. You were 2-0 and in locks and shocks yesterday. Your uh, your Washington football team uh, had a game effort against the Seahawks, yeah. but they lost. And then and then your um, that was your that was your shock because Washington was favored. No, no, no. Was Washington favored in that game? No, no my shock was the Cowboys. Uh, the shock. That's right. And that was no surprise to me as well, either, because uh, the 49ers are a mess. And it's well, but look, but look at no, no, wait a second. I don't want you to get down to what I was impressed with was the 49ers looked like they could have rolled over in that game and really just been boat raced. And it ended up not really being a boat race in that game. I mean, they their their game. They play hard week in and week out. They are they're struggling, obviously, at the quarterback position. There's a lot of discussion now as to who the starting quarterback is going to be for them next year. Garoppolo, I guess, is now on the shelf for the rest of the season. But they they were game. They played hard. Um, it's just you know just it just wasn't that year. And if you're going to pick for a year for it to not be that year, yeah, the COVID year is probably not a bad one. And you're the defending NFC champion. You lost the Super Bowl. It's not uncommon for there to be a hangover. But but they they played hard. Uh, I would like to say uh, with their loss yesterday, uh, the Washington football team maintained their position in first place in the NFC. They, they certainly did. Thanks uh, to Cleveland. Although the hard charging Cowboys, although you don't have to worry about the Cowboys, you've beaten them twice. You yep. have to worry about the Giants, and there's two games left. And if they tie you, then they're, they're the division champs. Yeah. But there will not be a uh, above 500 uh, playoff member from the NFC East. Nope. But that's okay. Uh, hopefully it's six and hopefully it's seven to nine or even eight and eight. Who knows? No, and I think we saw from that Washington defense yesterday against Seattle. Um, 
they're going to be tough out for anybody. If they get a home playoff game, that defense will keep it close. Haskins hadn't played in a while. He looked really shaky early, or he hadn't started. Obviously, he'd gotten a little bit of playtime. Um, but he actually kind of redeemed himself a little bit. And everybody's talking about the fact that he played. And he has conducted himself since initial the initial issues there when he was benched and there was some discussion about how he didn't feel good about it. He has actually carried himself pretty well. I'm proud of uh, Dwayne Haskins. I think he's I think he's growing up a little bit. No, I I liked that as well. I liked his performance. I think it's interesting. Seattle's pretty smart. Uh, Russell Wilson's very smart, and I think you know getting that cadence, really trying to confuse because they're so aggressive on that line, and they could get so many offsides. They you know I think there was quite a few of those in the first half. Right with Washington, they're just so anxious to rush the quarterback. And if you've got the savvy guy on the other side under center, you know, he'll probably take advantage of that a little bit um, going forward into the playoffs. Um, My my lock was Miami. And at first it looked, you know, a little shaky because they um, but they took care of business pretty easily. And they're nine and five right now, which is way ahead of schedule. If you ask me, at least a year, I would say two. And um and, you know, Baltimore, for some reason, Baltimore has the tiebreaker against them. I don't mm-hmm. think they played this year. They're con- they've lost the same amount of conference games. So I'm not sure. Their division records are pretty similar. I'm not sure why they have that because they're 9-5 and five as well. I believe it's but, average uniform yeah. size. I believe that's it's down to now the average uniform size. The team with the smaller players actually gets uh, a little bit of a bump because the assumption is that they've uh, – They've worked harder because they're smaller and not as physical. So I think that's what it's come down to. So we'll see what happens. There's two games left, and um, those are t- they have the Raiders, and uh, then they have a tough, uh, a last tough game as well. Uh, that's going to be tough. Is that Buffalo? They play Buffalo again, probably. Yeah. So it might be tough, but I'd like to. I would love to see the Dolphins in the playoffs because just I like, think you're going to see them in the playoffs. Frankly, well, Baltimore has to stub their toe somewhere along the line. And because uh, right now they're on the outside looking in, unfortunately. But, yes, they've got a defense that's like Washington's. Uh, they can they can really make a difference defensively and offensively They're I think Tua makes Tua, you know, puts them over the top. They need weapons, obviously, offensively, but yeah. he, he can put them over the top. He really can single. Now, according to my can, can I just I just want to stop you there because I'm a little confused because according to my NFL playoff standings right now, Miami's in the seven, Baltimore's in the eight. Really? Yeah. They're both nine and five. Right. So you have Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and Buffalo have already clinched. Uh, two of them have clinched the division, Kansas City and Buffalo. Tennessee, Cleveland, yep. Indianapolis at right. six, Miami at seven, and Baltimore at eight. I see that. Miami's at seven right now. You're absolutely right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think you're going to see them in the playoffs, and I agree. They are at least a year, probably two ahead of uh, ahead of time. And, um, you know, the second generation of – Belichick disciples has proven to be better than the first generation of Belichick disciples. Yeah. And I don't know, you could argue this is third or fourth generation. Maybe, maybe uh, yeah. Belichick disciples. I mean, Matt Patricia, I don't think is first generation, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I guess he's, uh, well, I considered like him third. actually with these guys in the second generation. He's okay. kind of like the first guy, the second generation. And he's, uh, he's certainly not, but if you look back at, uh, at the, at the Romeo Cornell's of the world and the Charlie, Charlie Weiss's, yeah. Romeo Cornell had a little bit of success, but then that fall off. Charlie Weiss didn't have a great deal of success. Um, so, uh, but these guys are the, the, the new group is doing pretty well. And Brian Flores, uh, particularly probably won't get a sniff for coach of the year, but he certainly should. 
Yeah, I mean, who's who's getting coach of the year? At this, I is, think is Ron Rivera. Well, in the NFC, uh, I mean, I I think you have a couple of uh, guys. I think Ron Rivera is different, in, uh, definitely in the in the mix. I think in the AFC, uh, if we're sticking with Miami for a minute, Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland deserves a lot of credit because sure. I think even though they were a sexy pick, I don't think anybody expected that they would turn into. Uh, uh, kind of a favorite week in and week out, which they're becoming. Uh, also, Mike Vrabel deserves a, a lot of respect. I, they're better than they were last year. They're better than they Speaking were. of better than they were, this is what I don't like about coach of the year, is that, to me, the best coach of the year is Andy Reid. They're 13-1. and one. He's the coach of the year. But, but he won't get you, he won't you, get great. He's defending Super Bowl champion. You you get he's no met expectations, Mark. He's met expectations, and that is the worst. You know, you he's met the expectations. They won twelve games last year. He's already won more than his Super Bowl winning team. All it's, right, hold it, on. It must be it must be said. Are you answering Steve Carricker? Yeah, my 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 best friend growing up, Steve Carricker, former uh, University of Virginia uh, four year starter on the offensive line, fine football player. Um, uh, he's now upset at me because I said that Clemson was a good school. Uh, it is not Virginia, the university. It is not as good as that. I mentioned that it wasn't as good as as, as uh, Notre Dame, Steve. But it is, you know, for for for. For a big school like that, it's it's a it's a pretty good school academically. I think so. I think it is. It's considered a pretty decent school. It's a, it's a, he's very they're very covetous. They're very covetous at UVA. Very covetous of. I would say Notre Dame's school. a better school than UVA academically. Although no, UVA is right up. No there. chance. No chance. Yeah. Notre Dame. It's all smoke and mirrors at Notre Dame. No, I don't think so. They, they don't even have to go to class. <laughs> say you know that's all classes say four hail marys one uh our father our father and you in there's your there's your economics a that's all it is i just have to say five prayers that's it so well, it depends I, on the class but you john if you were at Notre Dame, and that's, and that's all that you had to do to pass a class or to get an a in a class or to get an a on the test uh-huh. you'd probably still not even do that <laughs> <laughs> i'd do it but i'd have my fingers crossed so uh, I think Andy Reid does have to have to accept the fact that you don't necessarily get credit when you're coaching Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. That does take away from your credibility a tad. Yeah, I mean, I think there is. Unfortunately, I do I, think I there is. I don't know why it would. I don't know why I, it would. I just think it's part and parcel of uh, a lot of times coach of the year equates to the guy that they think did the most with the least. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It, 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 it I, I think that's a, I think that's a legitimate way to look at coaching. Yeah, I mean, I think you can, I, because I think you could look at, you know, and this is a great argument, actually, and I think it's a great discussion. MVPs, they're always, you know, MVP is not necessarily the MVP. It's generally the quarterback on a team that's having a great deal of success. You know, your MVP could definitely be, you know, the left tackle for, for some of the offensive line for the Cleveland Browns right now get, get a lot of uh, love. Baker yeah. Mayfield, good Lord. he I think he filmed a commercial at one point during a drop back and then, and then was able to get rid of the ball. Um but I we talked think, yeah that that credibility or or uh the um criteria i mean you're right that's a good criteria to view coaching but i think it's also a very good criteria to view coaching when you have success and you can maintain success many people would argue that's harder than going, yeah, I, than going from zero to success 
and then keeping success is a harder coaching job. And, and that's just not part of the criteria in coaching. I, th- I think that with Kansas City, they should win front office of the year for years to come. Yeah, they've they've done a they've done a terrific job. There's no doubt about it. And that's another reason, though, Jeff, while Andy Reid won't get as much credit as he deserves because of go, well, the front office put together a great team and he had, you know, he found a generational talent in Patrick Mahomes. But to your point, Mark, um, in Jason Garrett's hands, there were seven and nine team. Well, I agree wholeheartedly there. I don't know if they're seven to nine, but five and eleven. Yeah, exactly. The kind of twelve. You know, <laughs> Exactly. They they are Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey be in, in large part because of Andy Reid. I mean, that's that's the truth. It's you know? hard. It's a chicken or egg thing with, with it's, coaching. It's Shaquille, it's Shaquille and Kobe winning three championships with Phil Jackson and not right. winning anything with Dell Harris. And I think the thing is, though, Mark, is, you know, if you're looking at um, to really get a measure of coaching, you you have to look at multiple seasons, I believe. Like, you know, we come down on Jason Garrett, and I think actually Jason Garrett is a good offensive coordinator. I don't think he was a great coach. I think he might have been better in a different situation. I think his closeness to Jerry Jones and his closeness to that organization probably hurt him in the end. Um, But we realized after several seasons, three or four seasons, that the Cowboys – were squandering talent because of the coaching. I mean, I think it, it, not just us, but people who know a great deal more than we did looked at them do uh, looked at them and said they're not getting the most out of their talent. So if that is a criteria for letting a guy go or saying he's not a good coach, then for the MVP or the excuse me, coach of the year, I think you can look at who's getting the most out of the talent they have. And that's why I, I'll throw a guy like Stamp Stefanski. I think Ron Rivera, I mean, there's a great story behind that, too. He may get a little bit of a nod because he's overcoming cancer. And that that really has to be brought into uh, play as well. Um, it's it's uh, these are uh, fallible. These words are fallible across the board because we never really know 100 percent what the criteria is. Well, that but we know what we do know what the criteria is with this. And it and it's getting the most out of your talent if you weren't expected to do well. Right. It's not getting the most out of your talent if you've already done well. Right. We're, they're all they're all human beings. But Mark, Mark, yeah. what does this what is what do we always say? Manage expectations. That's why I don't like Lou Holtz, but I do appreciate the fact that when Lou Holtz undefeated Notre Dame team was playing like an 0 and 9 Purdue, that Lou would go out and say, uh, don't see any any way we can win this one. Uh, there's no chance. They just too much talent. I mean, manage expectations. If you are expected to win and you do, you ain't getting a lot of, uh, you're not getting a lot of awards. You could argue that Tom Brady probably deserved two or three more MVP awards because there were times when he essentially took that team on his back. No, I, I agree with that. And I, I think, you know, Bill Walsh and Joe Gibbs, I think they all deserved more coach of the years than they got kind of thing. Yeah, but they didn't because of the success. Because yeah, and I and I uh, I just think that that's an important part of coaching as well. It's it's to me it's harder to maintain than it is to get there, and yeah. um, and I just think that should be factored in. That's all, but yeah. it never is, and we know this. So there's really no point in talking about it anymore because we know how it's going to go. It's going to be a coach from a team that was expected to do poorly and hasn't, and it's done hey, well. 
Listen, so, I know we're, um, we're running long because of the terrific interview you had with Michael Crawford. I'm so sorry I missed that. My, go my goodness, the umbrella of businesses that they have underneath them with these. I love the staking. Uh, you know me, I'm not a fantasy sports guy, but the staking thing with the, with the franchises is a lot of fun. They've got a lot of great stuff going great. on. Love yeah. that idea. Just, just terrific, just terrific. Um, but I, I do want to bring up the fact that if, um, if you're Trevor Lawrence right now, the thing you have to keep in mind is that that generational money will buy you a much, much more palatial place in Jacksonville than yes, it was well. going to in Manhattan. Well, <laughs> you got a 1,200 hey, square foot apartment on the Upper West Side in Manhattan, and you're going to have 46 acres in Jacksonville. And no state taxes to worry about either. Yes. So it's, very good for him. Can you believe the Jets? I mean, if you're a Jets fan. I can't believe it. You have to be – and the Rams. No, that's the – if I was a Rams fan, what are you doing, Los Angeles Rams? You look like world beaters one week, maybe two weeks. You beat Seattle. You beat Arizona. They're you have not no consistent. You, They're you, not consistent. You knock out Tampa. You, you lose twice to the 49ers. You lose to the Dolphins, you know, when, when they still had were figuring out their identity. And you lose the only win the New York Jets have. That's just, and I think it was in Los Angeles. It was in Los Angeles. It was, which is where, and the people are saying they're a different team. Jared Goff is a different, but that to me is, uh, you know, uh, Adam Gase will be hung in effigy more for that win than he was for any single loss that they had. It was unbelievable. I could not believe it when I saw it. I, I simply couldn't it, believe it. It might work in the Rams' favor. If they don't play well at home, well, they, they got what they want. They're not going to have a home playoff game now. Seattle <laughs> win the division be able to host a playoff game uh and uh the rams won't have to and that probably serves them well actually tell you the truth but boy oh boy that's a funky team the rams and now jacksonville the gardner Minshew, uh who basically if you look at gardner Minshew's statistics and everything yeah. he has not played badly at no. all i mean he's inconsistent because he's a young quarterback but he's going to be he's going to have some worth somewhere um, but I really, really think uh, Joe Conley saying Kyle Trask would put butts in the seats. Yeah, they've tried that before. Uh, they tried that with um, Blake Bortles, I think, and it didn't it didn't work very well. They're going to take Trevor Lawrence. My my harping notwithstanding. Um, can we jump to Ohio State for a minute, though? Sure. I think there could be an argument that Texas A&M is better than them. I, I Justin would like Fields to... did not play a great game. Can I ask a question? Yeah. What what is the over under that you guys would put that Jimbo Fisher is going to have a comment if Ohio State gets run by Clemson? Oh, I take 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 the over multiple yes. comments. Yes, multiple comments. He yeah. he's going to be talking until next college football season about this. He is yeah. fired up. I think they and again, I think it's I think it's legit, and I think it goes back to what the three of us have been saying is this was the one year that they could have expanded the playoff and said this is a one year thing because of what's going on. We think we we don't want to punish the Big Ten schools that came back late like Ohio State and ran the table. I get that, all of that. But uh I think they I think they missed their chance, and I think Jimbo has every right to 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 bitch and moan. I agree. I agree. It's it and it's all about number of games played. You know, now, now, and that's what's ironic is that uh, Texas A&M had three games canceled as well. Yeah. They had three games canceled. 
You know, the the one feather I put in Ohio State's cap is that they were dead set against the Big Ten not playing games from the beginning. They were outspoken about it, and I think they played a major role in them actually getting in games this season. So that's the one. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about Ohio State, Michigan. There were were schools that were pushing for that. Um, Their numbers are better. Then, uh, but the argument is number of games. I think uh, Texas and M ended up playing nine, right? And and uh, Ohio State played six. Their numbers, their FBI is better. Their their SOS is better as well. Again, not by much, but yes, I think it's a strong argument. When you play a third less games, mm-hmm. you're going to have a third less opportunity to stub your toe. Yeah. And and Ohio State has shown us that they're not necessarily a juggernaut. Yeah, it's not the juggernaut Ohio State team. Now, that was a – people were introduced to – talk about a very well-coached football team. That uh, that Northwestern team is really well-coached. They've got talent on defense. They played a, a little bit above their heads on offense for a while. It, eventually, they got worn down. But Indiana obviously gave Ohio State everything that they could uh, – that they could handle. Yeah, they are not a juggernaut. And should they lose, and I think that's certainly a possibility, then Jimbo Fisher, I think, has has a legitimate gripe. And if Cincinnati goes on and wins their bowl game big, they're going to lose to Clemson. What was that? Yeah. I, but if it, but if it, if it's, if it's 24 to 20, then I think Jimbo Fisher just has to eat it. But if, right. if it's 48 to 10, I, then yeah, Jimbo I, Fisher I, says we would have done better. Yeah. I think it's more realistic. They lose close. I mean, I think Ohio state, I, th- it seems to me, Johnny, that they're, they're more of a team that sort of plays up to the level of their competition. Yeah. And I think that they suffered from the lack of, uh, the lack of practice time and they, as, as much as anyone, I mean, I just don't, you know, they're generally a pretty well-oiled machine and, and we've seen that they weren't, you know, they came, they, they've had less practice than Texas A&M. I mean, there, there are any number of reasons where you could look at it and say, well, here are the reasons that they've been inconsistent. They don't seem like a juggernaut. You know, they could have built up steam. We see these great teams first couple of weeks. Alabama always does it to us within the first couple of weeks of the season. They'll be down 14 to three to Ole Miss at the half. And then they'll end up winning the game, you know, 55 to 17. Um, You know, those kind of help tune up the team toward. I And I think that they were they still have not hit their stride. Scary thing about that is they could hit their stride into the playoff because I wouldn't be surprised if they upset anybody, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, although I don't know. I, I think Alabama, I don't think anyone's going to touch Alabama this year. Personally, that's just how, how it looks to me. You guys gave them a great, great, great game. I think but Clemson could beat them. I think Lawrence could beat them. Possibly. I don't know how much better Lawrence is than Trask to tell you the truth. Well, I, I think he, I think he presents some, uh, a, a couple of other, uh, problems for them. Uh, he's yeah. a little more athletic than Trask. Certainly. You don't really have that with, uh, with them, they, he's, you know, he, he's had more consistent success at Clemson with the, with the players around him. So I think there's a better recognition. I think they're a better offensive team, um, a more consistently good offensive team, defensive team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but uh, we did, what you did see was that Alabama can be, uh, you can score points on Alabama. There's no doubt about this. You can. That's not as good an Alabama defense to the point we made about Ohio State as some of the Alabama defenses in the past. All right. Uh, before we go, uh, talk about tonight's game, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Uh, evidently, 
They're at Cincinnati. They are uh, when they are favored by more than eight points. This is from the the Lenny Vault. This is from the Lenny Pittsburgh Tomlin Vault. Count on it. Wisdom information. They're four and eighteen. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, uh, Lenny, four and eighteen against the spread when they're favored by eight or more on the road under Tomlin. Four and wow. eighteen, and they also do not perform well in the second game against Cincinnati in the Tomlin era. So this this is something that Benny, I mean, Lenny is probably going to take Cincy, you know, and the point. Hey, guys, I got to go. I'm calling my bookie. Uh, can I? Well, I just want to I want to touch on well, before we go. And I know I know we're running over. But I love that, you know, Pittsburgh's getting nailed for that. Yeah. Yeah. You can. Oh, they're four. What about the wise guys? Yeah, are you overvaluing Pittsburgh? Is that I mean, you know, why, why don't they? I know why they don't get anything because we don't want to end up like Billy Bats in the trunk of a car. I get it, but I'm just saying, why? You know, well, maybe you should stop favoring them by that much on the road. Maybe that's where they are. Well, I think part of that is that those wise guys are probably making tons of money on a floor. Yeah, they're not losing. Yeah, so they set they set the line, and then the betting adjusts the line, right? And they they collect regardless, seemingly. Uh, <laughs> Georgia Cincy, that's a pretty fun bowl. That's a Peach Bowl. See, I'm all for the Peach Bowl, Steve Steve Carriker. I'm all for the Peach Bowl. I'm Peach Bowl all, former Peach Bowl champion, Steve Carriker. I was always for the Peach Bowl, by the way, and I'm for all the bowls. Uh, I'm all for, I'm I'm for all eighteen that are left. Well, and to that, let me just say, Army got robbed. Army should be playing. They're nine and two, and they did not get a bowl game. And three and seven, Tennessee got a bowl game. And I get it because a lot of that has to do with follow the money that they have um, deals with specific conferences. But I got into it a little with our old friend Howie Schwab on Twitter three. last night. Yeah, he was. He he said it's a, it's a disgrace that three and seven Tennessee is in a bowl game. And I said in a normal year I would agree with you, but a lot of teams are dropping out. They, and they have a conference tie-in, which is really kind of ties the the hands of the uh, of the bowl. And it, for these communities, Tennessee, if they travel better than a team with a better record, then I sort of get why they, you know, why they're doing it. Again, I don't think you can take this year and look at all these bowl games and put a lot of importance on. I think they're just trying to get interesting matchups to get some eyes on the television. Well, since the since the Georgia the Peach Bowl, that's a terrific, it's a match. good game, that's a great game. Um, What's the bowl that Tennessee's in? I didn't even look. I got to be honest with you. I didn't even look. I, I abandoned my position too early because if there was a year that I would have massive credibility and could look at you both in the eye and say, really, if you're a three and seven Tennessee team, you're going to be proud of going to a bowl game. But our argument would be it's a different, it's an altogether different year. So it doesn't really, it's not like a three and seven Tennessee team going in a normal year where everybody plays the same amount and all the bowl games are, are, populated and it wouldn't happen because we have again we have teams that are opting out because of covid so it's a special situation but the fact they're, that they they're are in the liberty bowl liberty bowl you like that one that's a big yeah i that was one that was one that existed when i was in college so i <laughs> i think i i used to give it credit uh the liberty bowl yeah that's the uh the bowl that uh, i think if i'm not mistaken uh uh trudy's uncle who coached the university of miami Brought the Hurricanes there in 1966. I think it was their first bowl win in the in the history of that program. There you go. How about that? Uh, interesting. All right. And Army nine and two. That's sad. See, see, that's that to me exposes. 
the fraud that is the bowl system. In well, again, you, you've got it, though. It's let's take this year with a grain of salt. But they're nine and two and three and seven. Right. It's but the bowls that were ob- but the bowls that were open for that that needed a team, um, they, they had conference tie ins. And that that's money that, that the tentacles of that money goes much further than a single game matchup. Right. It has nothing to do with the student athletes. Right. Steve Carriker, former Peach Bowl champion. Uh, I guess you're always a Peach Bowl champion, Steve. I can't call you former. You you will always be a Peach Bowl champion. Bowl games are all about money. And, of course, they are. But as we said, they're also about some great experiences for the athletes. Uh, I guess the argument is, you know, the Tennessee guys are like, man, we we mustered three wins. We deserve, you know, I I would respect them if they went and said we don't want to play. I get that, but I also understand the bowls because, you know, and Jeff brought it up. He knows he works these sort of things. There's a lot of ancillary money that come into any community. Yeah. And where they, where these money. you know, the bigger schools, the huge schools, the schools that are already rich, the SEC schools are getting the money by sending a three and seven team and they travel Army, better. Army isn't. Yeah, exactly. That's because that's, that's why, you know, any big corporation will, destroy any small business because now maybe there's this mark get more and if and if that's how we agree that how this country should run this is my last this is my last point in this entire show business i think i think army was uh shut out for a reason i think i think people uh, feared that uh with what's going on that if a bunch of army people showed up in their town might be a re-election. Martial law. Thing. Might martial be martial law. law. <laughs> they're afraid there'd be martial law. And it all started at the Liberty Bowl. <laughs> it was perfect. Let there it is. Cadets travel. Do not let the cadets travel. Oh, man. Yeah, but I feel Jeff Munkin and that Army team, 9-2, and two, they deserve an awful lot of credit because uh, they've, they've had a great season. And they're searching for a game, actually. They may be able to put together a game with somebody uh that uh to play uh, uh, that's the the last thing that i read about it and i hope they get a game because the black knights deserve it certainly yeah nine and two it just exposes the fraud that's all i'm saying and the yeah. and, it, and it exposes the inequity of it, it it's yeah. truly unequal it truly it, it's the big boys always win yeah the big boys always win. and yeah. not even army not even army you know not only is it a fraud but it's an unpatriotic fraud the ncaa i'm going with There's- that there's like trucks coming down my, I think it's a, this may be monitored by the Department of Defense. I, the, we might have to go. The, the, John, to the, go. John, the John Pelkey Bowl is hosting Army today. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think they're coming here to play, to play my backyard. Yeah. On the backyard. Absolutely. All right. Uh, the next time I see you, it'll be Wednesday. We may have to do the show a little bit earlier, depending on what time. Uh, I think they'll probably want, want to get me there about eight in the morning to make sure that I've got my proverbial, you know what, together. Uh, but uh, it'll be the opening night against the Pelicans. And, you know, did you see this? The two teams in the running for the James Harden Memorial bring in a great player who'll never get you a championship are apparently the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors. Talk of the Raptors, uh, the top of the Raptors trading Pascal Siakam. What's that? Changes daily. I think those are, that's the latest of what what uh, Houston is wanting to do, not what James Harden wants to do, right? James Harden. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll tell you this much: if they trade Pascal Siakam for the Houston Rockets uh, for for James Harden, the Houston Rockets are more likely to win a championship than the Toronto Raptors. It's certainly, certainly possible. 
Certainly a possibility. Uh, all right. Well, I'll, I guess this was my show after all, so I'll wrap it up. We'll see you Wednesday. I like these 10 o'clock start times. I don't know about you guys, but I I, I kind of like this 10 o'clock start time business. I don't mind. Uh, so maybe maybe we do that again on Wednesday, but we'll let everyone know. Probably we won't let them know. You'll just get an alert on your phone, and that's how you'll know because we're just not – We just. I'll barely know. Yeah. I'll be lucky to know. But for uh, for Michael Crawford, that was uh, that was a great interview. I was very happy to have him in. We want to thank him once again for joining after further review. For Jeff Taylor, our producer, for John Pelkey, who joined us post interview. I'm Peter Mark. Peter. This was a uh, great time. Stay safe, everyone. We'll talk to you on Wednesday.